Welcome to Tech Talk Digital Supply Chain Podcast, where we will help you eliminate the noise and focus on the information and inspiration that you need to transform your business, impact supply chain success, and enable you to replace risky inventory with valuable insights. Join your Tech Talk host, Corinne Bursa, the 2020 Supply Chain Pro to Know of the Year. With more than 25 years of supply chain and technology expertise and the scars to prove it, Corinne has the heart of a teacher and has helped nearly 1,000 customers transform their businesses and tell their success stories. Join the conversation, share your insights, and learn how to harness technology innovations to drive tangible business results. Buckle up, it's time for Tech Talk, powered by Supply Chain Now. Well, welcome Supply Chain Movers and Shakers. I'm Corinne Bursa, your host for Tech Talk, the digital supply chain podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. On this episode, we have a really interesting story about supply chain transformation. And I am excited to be joined today by Manda Hunt, the Executive Director of the Empty Stocking Fund. If you're not familiar with the Empty Stocking Fund, it is an organization that brings joy to the lives of disadvantaged children throughout the Atlanta metro area. And they have been doing this for nearly 100 years. And as you'll hear in just a few moments, it's not just a labor of love, but it is an amazing supply chain story that impacts over 40,000 children and families in the metro Atlanta area. It's a story that for 2020 includes a new facility, acquisition of a new outreach program, new software, new processes, and oh yeah, by the way, do all of this in the midst of COVID-19. So in just a moment, you're going to hear how the Empty Stocking Fund faced those challenges and didn't just pivot, but transformed their model in serving the community. So get ready. A quick programming note before we get started. If you enjoy today's conversation, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and just search for Tech Talk. That's T-E-K-T-O-K, brought to you by Supply Chain Now. Now, the Empty Stocking Fund has been serving children and their families for nearly 100 years. And as 2020 got underway, it was an exciting time. Lots of new opportunities, lots of new programs. The acquisition of a new school supply program, the move to a new facility, the opportunity to look at our distribution process and really change the way what traditionally was a brick and mortar operation transformed into both an e-commerce or a multi-channel outreach. But then COVID-19 hit and we had to look at everything, transforming people, process, technology, data, all of the elements that many of you face each and every day as you look at making massive business transformations. And oh, by the way, they did this in less than six months. So let's bring in our featured guest, Manda Hunt, the Executive Director of the Empty Stocking Fund. Manda, how are you today? I'm doing great, Corinne. Thank you so much for having me and for giving us an opportunity to talk about our organization in a way I never really thought we would. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to, uh, to think about what you do in terms of supply chain. But really, it is a very, very strong supply chain story. It gives us the opportunity to not only serve a community at wholesale prices, but to do it in an interesting and efficient way. 
But before we jump into that, Amanda, tell us just a little bit about yourself and maybe how you got involved with the Empty Stocking Fund to start with. Well, I actually got here very accidentally. I never really thought I would be working for a nonprofit organization when I was young and starting out in my career. Um, my background is in PR and marketing, and I was working with an agency that was asked for some uh, fundraising help by the Empty Stocking Fund's exist, uh, executive director at that time. And because I was relatively new to that agency, I thought it'd be a great way for me to kind of ramp up and get more experience. And I've also always had a, a pretty soft spot for um, kids and especially kids' disadvantaged children. So I thought it was a perfect fit, and so I jumped right in. And over the years, I just I remained involved. After I saw the operation firsthand, I was helping with some of the work long before the holidays. And so when I actually got to see it firsthand, I was just absolutely overwhelmed. I couldn't believe the scale of the operation, the efficiency, just the, the impact that it was having in our community. And so you could kind of say I was, I was, uh, it was love at first sight, if you will. I remained involved in, in different ways over the years. And then in about 2010, the existing executive director said that he was looking to retire and asked if I'd be interested in taking over the position. And I thought it would it'd be a great opportunity and a great fit for me. I have a, a pretty entrepreneurial personality and, and like a lot of diversity in my day job. And this certainly has it. Some days I'm talking to to potential large foundation sponsors. Some days I'm in the warehouse cutting open boxes. Some days I'm driving a forklift. It's just all over the place. So I really enjoy that, that aspect of the work. I think it's just a really, um, I feel very privileged to be able to do something I enjoy and am extremely passionate about. Absolutely. And for our audience, I've seen Manda opening boxes and driving forklifts. So she's, uh, she's the real deal out there. I've also seen her in front of, a, front of a conference room of business executives, and she has no problem holding her own in either setting. So on a personal note, I became familiar with the Empty Stocking Fund in 2008, and my family and I have had the opportunity to volunteer at Santa's Village and, uh, and to get hands-on. And I'll tell you that, um, that that opportunity always fills my heart and sometimes brings a, brings a fresh tear to my eye as well um, when you see the gratitude in the faces of, you know, the guardians and parents who are selecting the gifts for, um, for their children. I also had the opportunity to lead a Sponsor the Child fundraising initiative and our volunteers uh, for about 10 years in my role with Legility. And it's a great way. I'd like to recommend it to any of our listeners if they're looking for a community engagement opportunity for, for their businesses and, and creating kind of that sense of, of giving back, that that's a great way to do it and that they should look at some of the resources that are available through the Empty Stocking Fund, really just to help build their team uh, and give them the opportunity to serve in a very tangible way as well. I know we look forward to it every year. And there's a supply chain story around it. So it's always been just a great kind of teaching opportunity for my family to understand a little more about what it is I do and where I've dedicated my career for so many years. It's also a great way to help families feel empowered, to help them feel like in a tangible way that others really care about them and care about just bringing a little joy into their households. Amanda, you led a strategic initiative a couple of years ago to think about how do we take this process that you'd honed over the years or that had been honed for over 100 years with the Empty Stocking Fund and use it to serve the community in some new and different ways as well. So tell us about the expansion into a back-to-school program. 
we started looking, as, as you mentioned, the Empty Stocking Fund's nearly 100 years old. For the first 92 years of that, I suppose, um, we were really a one-trick pony. We, we focused on the holidays. We were very good at that. It was a very efficient operation. Um, we served as many as 54,000 children in a single year, typically only in the month of December, serving between 1,500 and 3,000 children a day. And that was with only two full-time staff members. So it was a wow. very, very busy, very busy time of year for us. But we weren't really fully leveraging our resources the balance of the year. So we never had a, a home of our own. We were, for about, since probably, I guess, early 2000s, we've been bouncing around and kind of at the, at the mercy of um, very kind land, land and building owners throughout the community to let us use their facilities for a few months a year. And, and there were a lot of challenges in that, and it, I think it certainly um, put some limitations on us. So we started to really think about what we wanted to be when we grew up. We always laugh at that since the organization is nearly 100 years old. But we realized that if you're not growing, you're dying, and that we had a lot more opportunity to serve the community. So we really started to look at what our options were. And when we looked at what we did well in our core competency, it was really around our ability to acquire products on the wholesale market at incredibly, incredibly good prices, competitive pricing, and then being able to distribute it directly to the families in need. So when we thought about, gosh, you know, what else could we do that, that could really relate to any product? Right now, it was just the holidays, or at that time, it was just the holidays. And so we started to realize that you know, this need that exists for these families exists year-round. It's not just during the holidays. There's lots of other need, the daily need. We obviously can't fix everything, but we, we said, gosh, we can, we can take off another little bit here. So we started to think about what else we could do, and a, a very logical fit, both from the seasonality of it as well as just a, a, a known need for children, was school supplies and kind of the back-to-school season. And what we saw was there's so many programs throughout the metro area um, that are very fragmented and candidly inefficient where they're doing different supply drives and somebody's having to, to drive around, pick these products up, sort through them, figure out how to distribute them. And so in doing that, they're not, as, they're not able to serve as many uh, children as, as I think they, they could if we all work together. So we started to look at our model and how we might be able to provide uh, school supplies directly to children as well as to some of these other organizations kind of serving as a partner to them in supporting their drives. And at the same time, coincidentally, we were actually operating our holiday gift distribution out of a facility that was owned by the Atlanta Community Food Bank. They were our uh, benevolent landlord at the time. And they were in their own strategic journey where they were trying to really focus on food security and food distribution. And they were really looking at some programs that over the years the food bank had either just kind of acquired or had kind of grown in a corner somewhere because somebody donated something and they just took it on and, and began distributing those goods. And they happened to have a, a pretty significant school supply distribution program. And it just wasn't germane to their core business. It was something that they knew was a, a need that needed to be addressed by the community. So they wanted to ensure that it, it found a good home but uh, they knew that it just was, it was more of a distraction for them and their operation. So we started talking, and um, the two of us, the two organizations applied for a grant together that we received to evaluate the possibility of the Empty Stocking Fund taking that program over and what that would look like, and did it make sense, and was it the best thing for the community and for both organizations. 
it was the, the first part of a, what could have been a four-part process um, is what we received the grant funding for. But because both parties were so supportive, everybody knew it just made perfect sense. We actually were able to complete three of the four parts with that one grant. So it was, it was a very successful process, a very uh, quick process once we kind of figured out it, it was something that both organizations wanted to do. And so in July of 2019, um, on July 1st, we officially took that program over, which was, of course, right in the beginning of back-to-school season that year. So we hit the ground running, and I'm proud to say we were able to distribute school supplies to about 3,700 teachers throughout the metro Atlanta, teachers at Title I schools, and then also directly to about 10,000 students. So we estimate our, our total reach for that program in just our first year was nearly 100,000 children. So we're pretty proud of that. And then, of course, we, we moved into our holiday gift distribution shortly thereafter, so the timing worked really well. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, that, that's a tremendous story and a very quick turnaround. And then with things rolling into the 2020 calendar year, so you end the holiday season in 2019, we're launching 2020. At that time, we knew that we were looking or seeking a permanent home or a semi-permanent home. Uh, for the operation, and that was going to be a big part of the coming months as we prepared for, for back-to-school times, et cetera. But then the distribution model had to change uh, given all of the concerns around COVID and how could we help um, students as they went back to school for the 2020 school year. Um, it really gave you an opportunity to think through what are we going to do for the holiday season as well. So tell us a little bit about how the 2020 back to school program worked just just quickly and then we'll mm -hmm. dive into the transformation for for the holiday season as well yeah well as you said when we started 2020 we had all sorts of uh, lofty ambitions and we were really focused and working hard on integrating operations and trying to you know do things like an, an inventory management system for the old the program that came in you know merging two operations was pretty significant so we were focused on that as well as addressing a known funding gap that we had because uh, the program that we acquired didn't come with any consistent funding. So we were really ready to go, every, you know, all, all ready to hit the road and, and solve those challenges, and then COVID happened. So yes, that, that changed a lot of things for us. And one of the first things that I quickly realized, having been involved with the holiday gift distribution for so many years, was that no matter what this thing turned into, there was no way we were going to be able to operate Santa's Village the way we had in the past. Historically, we would serve as many as 54,000 children in a single month, mostly in the month of December, really in only about 18 days. So that's as many as 3,000 children a day. Mm -hmm. And we needed anywhere from 40 to 60 volunteers at a time to accomplish that. So we knew that, that we would not be able to do that this year. Yeah, and for our listeners, think of that in terms of a brick-and-mortar brick operation, right? One central location as both the shopping and the distribution point during that 18-day, um, one month, really two months when we think about actually, you know, organizing and, and uh, opening the operations. But as, as Amanda said, the labor predominantly is volunteer labor. So you've got to have a really strong process in place in order to move that volume of goods and serve the community. But that was one distribution point, and basically the customers, if you will, or the community would come to Santa's Village. 
So here we are, Amanda, and we're approaching holiday season 2020, and it looks a little different in light of COVID. So tell us, let's kind of start at the beginning. Um, instead of being able to select gifts in person, how will that happen this year? Yeah, so that was one of the first things we knew. We, we knew that um, we had to solve for the, the shopping challenge because that was something that is really important to our organization. And one of our key points of differentiation is that we don't decide what a six-year-old girl should get. We don't pick the gifts and bag them up and, and give them to the parent or take them to their home and give them to the child. We create an opportunity and experience where the parent can choose the gifts that they want to give their children and give them to them how and when they choose. So that's a really important piece of what we do. So I always say, you know, our impact go, goes far beyond the 30, 40, 50,000 children who receive gifts each year, but really also impacts their, their parent and guardian's lives. So we knew that that was something that, um, that couldn't go away, uh, or we really, we really, really wanted to work hard for it not to, which meant we had to create some sort of online shopping model for them, some sort of store. Now, mind you, I think we, we need to take a step back. And again, I, I kind of reference the inventory management system and tell you that prior to this, all of our holiday gift shopping, inventory management, purchasing, et cetera, had been managed in a very sophisticated Excel file by me. <laughs> That's right. Quite comical. I became the pivot table queen and while I'm, I'm pretty decent at Excel, it was definitely not ideal. So we knew that we had to solve for that as well. So we didn't have anything. We didn't have anything in place that would allow this organization to, to scale to what we needed to and to accomplish what we needed to. So there were a lot of challenges ahead of us. So we knew that, you know, the inventory piece was one and then creating um, some sort of online shopping experience. So I am incredibly proud to say and exhausted to say <laughs> that <laughs> we, did, we did that. We actually went live with our online shopping experience in early October. And, um, you know, we've had some kinks to iron out, but, uh, and it's, it's not as beautiful and fantastic as Amazon's platform, but it's pretty, pretty functional and, and it's working great. And so we're very excited about that. We have already nearly 10,000 children registered, and that's with very little promotion. Again, we were kind of doing a soft opening and, and seeing, making sure everything was working properly. So we got the, we got the shopping challenge solved. The, the shopping problem was solved. Well, congratulations on that, right? So you, you basically rolled out an e-commerce experience or a gift selection experience online that is very specific for each child, right? Each child, each age group of children, gender selections, et cetera, to make sure that there's an assortment there that they get the opportunity to choose from. Now, Amanda, we create, if you will, a pick list or a pick order for each child. And so our, our audience will completely understand that. They're thinking in terms of their warehouse and distribution operations. So how do we pick, pack, and distribute those goods in, in, in this new COVID environment, right? So we used yeah. to have one, one location. It was easy, right? And the people were there, and they would carry their, their bag of gifts away with them after the experience had concluded. Now it's a little different. What's that going to look like That's for 2020? Right. Yeah, well, I think it's important to note, too, that we, in the midst of all this, we ended up finding a long-term facility and had to relocate everything, our entire That's operation, true. in the month of July. 
and which was right before whatever back to school season was going to be and a very, very big challenge. So, and, and we didn't really have time to even um, get the racking installed in the warehouse. We were just shoving stuff in there. And so we had some major challenges and just, just getting ready for it all. When we, we started to think about, you know, what, what would this look like? And, and can we serve, even if we started in November doing distributions, how could we serve that many children from one facility? And we have been brainstorming every option under the sun, everything from, you know, the, the model where you pull into a parking spot and send a text and say, I'm here, and somebody runs out with your, with your goods. We obviously, you know, decided, especially as, you know, paying attention to what the, the COVID guidelines were and keeping our staff and volunteers safe, because without, without our volunteers, none of this happens. So we have to make sure the environment is such that they feel incredibly protected. And so we made that decision that, that it was not going to be possible to have um, our recipients come into the facility at all. So we then started to really think through, gosh, what's this going to look like? Do we, do we have to rent a hall somewhere? Do we have to, um, you know, what, what can we do? Well, what we had found in the school supply distribution that we did this year, which obviously was very different in the metro Atlanta area, uh, the overwhelming majority of school districts did not go back to school in person. So the teacher supply kits were, were somewhat irrelevant. There was no way to, you know, the teachers weren't seeing and, and interacting with their, with their students in person. So we had to do a major shift there. And, and I, I need to point out that this was very late breaking news. We were staying very informed. We were staying very close touch with the school districts as they were uh, trying to make these decisions, and we kind of had a sense which direction it was going to go, but we were all kind of sitting and waiting. Which do, which do we start to, to pack, and how are we going to handle this? At a time when I think volunteer concerns were at their highest. Mm -hmm. um, people were really, we had just come out of the shelter-in-place order. People were very, very concerned, and if you didn't have to go out and be around other people you don't know, you're not going to. So... We, it, was a, it was a tough, tough couple of months there with the move and then trying to quickly shift from teacher kits, which was a much more efficient distribution, to um, student kits. And we, at the time, we had already started building this registration and shopping platform for the holiday gift distribution, and we're able to test some of that functionality by letting parents um, register their children for school supplies. And unbeknownst to us, we were doing this really as a benefit to, to the organization to give us this, this test drive opportunity, but it turned out to be incredibly invaluable because as things changed with the school districts and COVID safety guidelines on a daily basis, we were able to quickly pivot, do whatever needed to get done, pack these kits however they needed to get done communicate with the, the recipients in mass, whether it's, you know, by text or email. And at the end of the day, we were able to distribute over 40,000 of these kits. The only way we were able to do that, there wasn't a single family that came directly to us for these kits. We did that through partnerships. We did it um, largely through the school districts directly and as well as some other what I call hyper-local nonprofits that are really in the community. They are serving the kids in their block, and they were able to take the product, and then they can get it physically to those children. 
So when we did that, we said, gosh, you know, this was a really, really tough challenge. And if we didn't have these partners, we couldn't have done it. We're now facing that same challenge for the holidays on a, on a similar scale in terms of the number of children served, but a much greater scale because we're talking about much more complex orders, if you will. A school supply kit was a school supply kit was a school supply kit. You get pencils, pens, crayons, paper, et cetera. They were pretty standard. But now we're talking about filling orders for children up to 40 to 50,000 children and getting those done. So we said, we need to look at this partnership model again and really think about how that might work for the holidays. And I think that's important. I want to come back to that in just a second. For our audience, I want to put this in context a little bit as you think about your businesses. So, so first of all, the Empty Stocking Fund has made the transition from a brick-and-mortar model to an e-commerce model. Secondly, we're really looking at completely changing the distribution network. So instead of just acquiring the toys, doing the purchases, having those available, and then fulfilling the orders and handing them over to, um, to the family member at that distribution center, now we've got to think about moving another distribution point or another node in the network out into the communities. So tell us, Manda, what's the plan? How will we move those goods, right? The family member will select the items online, by child, and we will fulfill those orders in the distribution center, then how do we get them, how do we get them out to the kids? What happens yep. next? Well, once we realized, you know, just running some numbers and coming up with every possible creative theory that we could about having a single distribution location and realized that just wasn't possible, we started to think about, okay, how do we do this? Um, do we partner with you know, a variety of different organizations across the community and, and the difficulties in managing that. I think it's important to note that we are a four staff team and we also have some other pretty significant responsibilities around fundraising, um, you know, the administrative side, finance, paying the bills, all that kind of stuff. So, there, so wait there's a, a lot. A four to do. staff team. So four people, 40,000 kids. I mean, I don't see what the problem is. One, you know, 10,000 <laughs> kids per person, that seems completely right. doable in the matter of just a couple of weeks. No, no I fully, yeah, fully, fully appreciate that. So tell us what you did. How did you, how, yeah. how have we been able to get connected with some community partners? Yeah, well, once we started thinking about it, then as we had calls and meetings with other organizations and candidly, the way that the, our success story came about was, we were talking to an organization about sponsorship of the program and whether they would be involved. Uh, involved. They are a company that actually provides their Medicaid benefit provider. So basically, their clients are our clients, and so there's a lot of synergy there. And we were just sharing with them kind of, look, you know, we've, we've got this shopping part just about solved, and we're, we're trying to figure out the rest. And she said, you know... I actually sit on the board of directors for the YMCA of Greater Atlanta, and we might have an opportunity there. So she made the introduction, and I am absolutely thrilled to say that YMCA was all on board. They are so excited. Um, they have as many as 30 facilities all over Metro Atlanta and a much broader geography, too, than we would have served. So some of the outlying counties, you know, we, we typically focused on a nine-county area, really only because of proximity, because it just, there's a point where the value to the client just wasn't there if they're having to travel into downtown Atlanta 
from afar. There's, there's a point where it just doesn't make sense. So now with this, we can expand our reach and we can take what was a single location distributing to 40 or 50,000 children and split it up to 25 to 30 locations doing that, which makes it much more safe and it also gives us an ability to potentially scale and do more from our location because we won't be actually doing distributions as well. And it's a benefit to the client because it's now closer to them. They're not having to come from the far corners of the metro area to our location. They can go to a much more uh, conveniently located location. So all of this, it's been, I'm not going to lie, it's been a brutal, brutal few months for us and exhausting and challenging but also extremely rewarding to, to be able to get to this point and be able to say that at the time when our clients needed us most, there was nothing that was going to stop us from making it happen. And thanks to YMCA's partnership, um, which I, I think we've all agreed, uh, and I, we being YMCA as well as uh, our organization, could make sense for the long term too. So COVID has um, been, this is one of those COVID silver linings, if you will, um, that really has kind of forced us to do some things that really probably are fantastic for the organization and the community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, and it is exciting. It's exciting to, um, to partner with a group like the YMCA, um, who certainly has been serving the Atlanta community or the members in Georgia for, for nearly 100 years as well. So, so, again, context for our supply chain listeners. So this is a huge move to an e-commerce platform versus brick and mortar but it also changes the distribution model to what we would refer to as BOPUS, or buy online and pick up in store. So in a similar fashion, the clients here will select online, and then they'll pick up at a central distribution point. And those distribution points will be in partnership with the YMCA, and they'll be based off of zip codes. Amanda, is that correct? Correct. That is correct. So hopefully the, the access and the opportunity to get there and receive their gifts, which have been picked, packed, and, and bagged, ready for them to pick up with appropriate labeling and QR codes, so all the latest from a technology perspective, all that's come together in less than six months. Is that right, Amanda? That's right, and um, I'm not going to lie. We're still working on some of those logistics, and they, you know, we've got the ordering part and the picking and the packing, and... And we are still, on, you know, as we're going along, we're still working on some of the refinement to make sure that everything is as clean as possible and as simple as possible for our distribution partners. But it is an ongoing project. It's, this was a, a major undertaking. I think it's also important to note that prior to all of this, our entire holiday gift distribution was managed with a circa 2003 access database nice. that was not, it was fantastic. It, it, <laughs> it cobbled along. And it did the job. It, it did what we needed it to do. It gave us zero inventory visibility. It gave us zero ability to forecast and, and really analyze anything that was happening with the operation. But it, it got us through the distribution. It, it tracked the orders. It, it created pick tickets. So this is, uh, to say this is a, a transformation for us is, is absolutely, I think, a fair characteristic to, to say it's, it's just been incredible. It's taken a village. It's taken a lot of people, a lot of volunteers, a lot of um, skills-based volunteering as well. And, you know, just a lot of willingness on the part of our team to say, again, you know, we have no choice. This is, this is our time to do what we do when we are needed most. 
Absolutely. And, and congratulations once again on, on a full-blown transformation. I know that we'll still learn some things in, in the upcoming weeks as um, we actually put this, you know, the rubber hits the road and the gifts get selected, picked, packed, and shipped and distributed. So there are still some, some items that are in process and moving and firming up. But, but as right. you mentioned, you know, a new e-commerce model, a new inventory management system, a new distribution model to optimize um, and make that accessible to the community, new partners that have come into play, all with the eye of how can we serve the community well. With Mandy, you mentioned a very small but mighty team. How can right. our how, how can our listeners get engaged? How can they help? if they feel so, you know, so drawn to the process, which I was, and I know it sounds like you were too, oh, so long ago before, uh, before you assumed the role of executive director. Sure. Well, as any nonprofit would say, you know, our, the, the basic need we always have is, is donations, financial contributions. There's any number of ways to actually make a financial contribution, including our website, which is emptystockingfund.org. But there's other opportunities to serve in a leadership role, as Corinne did for many years, uh, leading a sponsor or child campaign within your organization. And we have tools and resources to set that up so that you can encourage others to support the effort as well and help us spread the word. Certainly following us on social media, I think awareness is a, is a very uh, challenging thing in this day and age. And then we do, you know, we, we figured out a lot of stuff. We're, we're making it work, but we are not logistics experts. We are not supply chain experts. We We have just kind of gotten to where we are with a lot of a uh, lot of input from some people but we're, we're sure that there's still some room for improvement we still have one big piece of the puzzle that we're working on which is now that we have the ordering picking and packing process buttoned up and then the distribution partner end uh, planned at least if not buttoned up we still have the how are we going to get the goods from us to them and we are working right now on uh, establishing another hopefully pro bono partnership with someone who will help us with that. But it's still a very complex process, and we're going to be challenged in, in trying to, to figure out exactly how we're going to do that, when we're going to do it. You know, a lot of the, the time that this is going to have to happen, if you've got 30 different locations with thousands of kids that they're going to be serving each, and at the time frame that those are going to have to go out our door is really going to be right around Thanksgiving and the first week of, November, uh, first week of December. And just thinking through, how do we do this? It's, it's very, very complex. And, you know, it's, it's a lot to, to take on. And if, if there's somebody out there who has the expertise, we'd, we'd welcome it. Absolutely. And I, I want to kind of express that as well. I mean, you, our listeners, are, in fact, supply chain experts. If you've got some thoughts or ideas on how we can transport in an optimal fashion these holiday packages from the distribution center out to the YMCA distribution points, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, would certainly appreciate your expertise or your muscle in the process uh, to help us get there. So um, think about that and feel free to reach out to me or to reach out to Amanda Hunt with the Empty Stocking Fund as well. Again, one more time, that website is emptystockingfund.org.org. You can donate right there on the website. I will mention that your dollar goes further. Your dollar goes at least twice as far as it would if you were out shopping. Many times it's as much as 70% further than it would um, if you were out doing the shopping yourself. So your ability to impact more children 
it's just that much, you know, that much more rewarding. Um, so I want to encourage you to, to consider maybe making a donation there or looking at some of the volunteer opportunities as well. There are opportunities, yep. right, uh, Amanda, for That's, people to yeah, sign I'm, up? I'm so glad you mentioned that because, yes, that is definitely something else that um, we could use some help with. Typically, again, we only operate our distribution piece for 18 days in December. It's a very, very fun, fast-paced uh, project that many of our corporate sponsors actually sponsor shifts so that they can send large groups of employees there together. Obviously, this year that's not happening. Most offices are not open. Employees are not doing anything collectively uh, as an organization. So, and we're, we're expanding our um, volunteer needs to include right now all the way through to the holidays. So we have, I, I want to assure everyone, we take COVID very seriously and we have in place pretty tight COVID safe guidelines. We actually are very fortunate to have a partnership um, with Ecolab that they are going to come in and provide sanitizing stations and sanitize the facility on a regular basis. We are limiting the numbers of volunteers. We are uh, implementing social distancing, uh, masks, et cetera. So we are doing everything we can to keep ourselves and our volunteers healthy. Um, I you know, made a joke recently that said, you know, with only four people on the team, we can't afford for any of us to get sick. So <laughs> this is, we are taking it very seriously. And it's still an enjoyable experience. I think it's, it's still a way to you know, get out of the house when you're feeling a little cagey and do some work in a warehouse for good and feel safe and feel very rewarded from the experience. Excellent. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I would just add that, that your heart will be richer for, for the effort. The, the measures are very well um, organized. Uh, your temperature will be taken upon entry. You will be asked to wear a mask. Um, the path in, in and through the distribution center is a one-way path just to try to keep that social distancing in place as well. So I encourage you to, to look at some of the volunteer opportunities if you're led in that direction and, and to help fulfill these wishes for children in the metro Atlanta area. So Amanda Hunt with the Empty Stocking Fund, I want to congratulate you once again on a remarkable transformation in a very short period of time for a very small staff to move mighty, mighty mountains in order to serve the community. So well done. Thank you very much, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share our transformation with your listeners. Appreciate it very much. Wonderful. And to our audience, I want to invite you to get involved, to donate, or volunteer. I hope that you're inspired by today's conversation and this story of rapid transformation. And on the topic of inspiration, please be sure to tap into some of the a wide variety of resources that are available to you on supplychainnow.com. And while you're there, please find Tech Talk, that's T-E-K-T-O-K, -E and subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. This is Corinne Bursa, the host of Tech Talk, helping you eliminate the noise and focus on the information and inspiration you need to transform your business, drive supply chain success, and enable you to replace risky inventory with valuable information. We'll see you next time on Tech Talk, powered by Supply Chain Now, the voice of supply chain. Thank you.